When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. SB Nation and Underdog Dynasty present the Underdog Podcast. And we are back with another edition of the Underdog Dynasty Podcast, AAC edition. My name is Dan Morrison. That's Emily Van Buskirk. How are you doing today, Emily? I'm fantastic. Glad to be back. It's I know. A, it's been a long time. We shouldn't yeah. have left you. Without some AAC podcasts to step to. I know that I, I blame you and myself for that <laughs> at different times. Like last week I was traveling uh, the week before that you were at the Super Bowl. So like, you know, yeah. it's hard to find. We're not on our schedules anymore that we were at <laughs> no. in the season. In the season, we had a nice strict schedule that we were working with. Yeah, uh, we're crazy schedule. But now it's like we have free time. Well, free time is weird in the off season, just like for coaches and players, like, you have it, but it's it's structured, but it's not structured. It's it's very strange. So it's hard to explain. We were just, yeah, we were just talking about this. How like one of the websites I write for, and uh, I have to write an article a day, basically about any sport. So it sounds easy, but I don't know enough about. You're the- branching into some like weird stuff, or not weird, I, but like different. I hope you're like you know, there's so some women's gymnastics get, out there. Well, there's some. I like, wrote a little bit about the Olympics. Axe throwing today. So it's not up yet or anything like that, but I tried to okay. write about like how Russian athletes are responding to the invasion of Ukraine. Oh, wow. Okay. That's like a like serious that. piece. Yeah. yeah, I know it was. Okay. <laughs> no, I, I think it's great, but that's what I found is most heavy. of them are, what I found is most of them are just not going to say anything. Yeah. Like, that's Russia's like, that's their MO in yeah. general. When bad things happen. Ovechkin's going to probably be pro uh, Kremlin and I can't even remember. There's a, the guy who plays for the Russian national soccer team who came out as anti-invasion mm-hmm. today on his Instagram, okay. he posted uh, a note of warning for him. flag. Yeah, well, it it's pretty brave to do that kind of thing when you're Russian. It is very brave. Like, I would definitely be watching his whereabouts now to make sure he well, makes yeah. it through. Jeez. Exactly. So, Speaking of like, that, did you see, I got to ask you this. I know this kind of detracts, but I'm curious if you might write about this. Did you see Phil Mickelson's comments on the Saudi yes, PGA I tour I, or what the, what do you think about that? What an idiot. Mickelson's getting old. <laughs> I, so he's, I found out like 51 years old. I thought he was 51 my whole life. Like my whole life I've been yeah. like, oh, he's about to retire from professional. I think his golf. brain is apparently, older than 51 like, though. Apparently he was like 30 when I first, came to realize he was a thing. He's always looked old. And I think, you know, he's been in the game so long. Like, it's like when people get grandfathered in and they just, they could say whatever they want. That's kind of what happened is like, he just said some real shit to this guy. It's And yeah. it's not great, but I honestly didn't. And I don't want to offend people out there because you obviously shouldn't say certain things about cultures that, that come, especially when they it's could a- be taken out of context or like you're speaking to the media, but I don't, where was the lie in some of the stuff he said? Well, I think the issue is more that he's saying these things and then still working with the Saudi 
with the Saudis on it. I mean, like, you can I, work with somebody and still be scared of them. I mean, that's pretty much how I live. <laughs> <laughs> right, you like, can't. I'm scared of Eric Henry and I still work with him. I'm just kidding. No, no, it's okay. Eric's Say it. Loud and proud. Teddy bear. Loud and no, proud. No, I can never be scared of <laughs> I'm kind of scared of Joe because Joe is like this mysterious man that lingers above everything and i'm like low-key not scared of him but he we have have to say what's joe there's like seven that have worked for yeah that's who i i figured you were talking about him but there's like you know before you there's joe bro back there's a oh yeah no not joe at one point this podcast was just two joes talking joe broback is scary in the sense that how much he knows oh he knows so much about the game of football it's crazy he's so on top of it he you know what it is? It's he lives in Minnesota. There's nothing else to do. It's cold oh, for like fair. nine Just months like look at film, yeah, player ba- profiles. Like. Basically the Arctic Circle. So, <laughs> Joe Brobot, come visit me in Pebble Beach and we'll get you a life. <laughs> Anyways, uh, but I just thought, I thought Phil Mickelson's comments were, I mean, obviously you can't say that stuff as, as much as you're involved with both the PGA and trying to get involved with the Saudi tour. But I didn't think that they were newsworthy where he had to apologize for and then re-examine his life like that was a lot i'll say i think Mm -hmm. when you're choosing to go into business with someone who you're readily admitting is like morally corrupt i'm I'm (laughs) trying to put it very politely but like the saudi government i'm gonna which is different than the saudi people i think that's something that we do a lot as we go oh the chinese when we're referring to like say the chinese government has issues instead of just Right, right, right. I mean, we do not the people, that, right, yeah. right. The Saudi government does have a lot of issues. Like they're the type of place that will kill journalists. Like it's not. Yeah, good and he said thing. that. Like in terms of like that, the government. But those are facts. So if he's saying but, speaking but in my, facts, why I, is that like? Because he's going and choosing to work with them anyways. It's weird, and I, I don't know. It's yeah. weird. You know what I mean? Like. Okay, but it can be weird. But he's being crucified for his comments as being racist or whatever it is that people are calling them people have yeah you know but what he's saying they're true like they did this to this person they are this they are x y and z yeah he it's not everybody like you said it's it's i just don't know that he deserves the kind of like it was like a ticker on espn like this is what phil mickelson said like he's you know he has to apologize for these comments but why because it's the football off season, baseball isn't happening this year, and the, so golf is just like, and the NBA is like on All Star break like weekend, great. so like there's really nothing going on. I don't yeah. know. I really don't. It was know. it was crazy to see that. I was like, I, I when I first saw the ticker, I was like, okay, Phil Mickelson said some shit. I need to go read this. So I'm like scanning the articles, trying to find the quotes that he actually said, and I'm reading them, and I was just like, I thought like maybe he, you know and denounced God and like said he's worshiping Satan, like something crazy to where like, okay, maybe you need to like check yourself, but I don't know. I think Phil also has a reputation that like plays into it a little bit as being a, yeah. Uncle Phil, not, not very, like not the favorite uncle anymore. No, (laughs) you can feel the Thanksgiving uh, dinner conversation with him. Not great. It's interesting. The Saudi, the Saudi league, I hadn't learned much about it. And then I started reading. It was honestly the first I'd heard of it. Yeah, I know. That's kind of interesting I don't pay attention too. To golf, so. And from a marketing standpoint, this kind of coverage, regardless of what he's saying, is good because it's bringing this to the forefront of what's going on with golf. And now everybody knows about it. But, um, you know, people like McElroy and Colin Morikawa, they're pledging their allegiance to the PGA Tour. But what Mickelson was saying is that the PGA Tour has all of this money that the players and the actual 
like tour production or seeing none of. Mm. And so he's saying that with the Saudi league, that money will be, you know, put towards the actual presentation of the tournaments and the, and the players Mm -hmm. and, and I, God knows there's a lot of it over there. I, so I get it. I just, again, it was interesting. And he's using it like a bargaining. I mean, just because he got caught saying that that's what everybody yeah. does with leverage. Yeah. Okay. Like he just got caught. Okay. But anyways, yeah. it kind of bothered me. So I was like, we need to talk about this real quick. You should write about it. I think. I honestly, I don't think I know enough about it to like <laughs> write about it. Well, I really don't. I'll get like, you some golf contacts from out here I, and you can, you I've can had interview no them. golf knowledge whatsoever. <laughs> I, like I've played it a few times. It's not the worst to play, but I'm yeah. not good. Oh, I'm so bad. Yeah. Like, everybody's bad. Unless you're a pro, it's like, you're not good. Come on. Your, your average par four takes me 10 shots. I'm bad. Yeah. Like well. in all fairness, five of those are on the putting green. <laughs> so putting's not your game. Got it. Yeah, terrible at it. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, well, that was just my, my little non-football okay news there so enjoy yeah. that listeners <laughs> <Full sport. laughs> yeah uh speaking of football you did go to the super bowl though i did Part not go it. to the game well, i want that on record i was in la for super bowl week for media week i was covering yeah. it with my partner in crime kim montoro and it was insane i i know the nfl wanted to showcase the city of los angeles I get that. And they want to do that mm-hmm. everywhere they go. They did it in, you know, San Francisco. And I use air quotes because that game was in well, Santa, Santa Clara. Clara. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, but it was not ideal. If you were a fan, right. And you're coming to all these things, they had the convention center downtown with the NFL experience, which is very cool. And if this ever comes to a city you're in, you should definitely go to the Super Bowl experience because the NFL puts a lot of, I mean, I will, I know some people that work for the NFL and they told me the budget was unlimited for this. So like that was like actually said, like there's no limit to the budget. So they made this experience incredible for the fans. You got to go in, there was all kinds of stuff to look at, take pictures of like interactive, so much gear that you could buy. It was really cool. But that was in downtown LA at the convention center, Mm -hmm. which a is not easy to park and drive. And the traffic that week was insane. I can't even tell you parking across from it was $90 to park. Well, that's it. And then it's another 50 to get in. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for it's crazy. So then, and then we're trying to run all over and cover like all these different uh, community events and things they have, which is so great, but they wanted to showcase all of the parts of Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. So they had, you know, the team media day was out in um, by UCLA. And then the other one was out at Cal state, um, not state, uh, Shoot, uh, it's Thousand Oaks, which is even further out. Mm-hmm. So you're trying to drive around all these things, and um, we don't to get your day credential each day. The, the line was an hour long. It took us an hour to get through it, so we missed one of the media days. And I sat there yes. and I ran into Eric Davis, a former 49er, you know, Pro Bowl cornerback, and he took one look at the line, was like, no, and left. He was like, no. Mm, I, so that's, that's a lot, yeah. It was a lot. And then the parties were fun. Obviously we, there were two women in sports networking events, which I thought was incredible to see in the same week at an event like this. So mm-hmm. I met so many women agents and writers and I made so many friends. It was, that was the best part. And mm-hmm. then we ended up at the legends party, which was cool because it was hosted by Rob Gronkowski and he's up on stage going crazy. And then his dad who was like famous in his own right, apparently yeah. had no idea. Papa yeah. Gronk comes out on is. stage 
And if you want to see something funny, go to my Twitter. I tweeted a couple of videos of him dancing with Flo Rida. Yeah, that sounds about right. It was uncomfortable, I think is the best word to, well, to describe as, it. As a lifelong Patriots fan, let me yeah. tell you what, the Gronkowskis do that all the time. That's just their yeah. Tuesday. Like, yeah. Yeah, the whole, like, it's the whole family. It became, especially like when Gronkowski first got to New England, it was like the whole family would show up drinking like that to things and just like partying. And like power to them, you know, it was awesome. But I like someone needs to teach him like not dad dance moves. Like if he's going to be out on stage with Flo Rider and he was out there with. Um, too long. It's He's far too deep into this change. <laughs> I was like, this, this is, is like, like if my grandpa got up on stage and was like moving around, it was something else but it was cool because we were sitting yeah, he's only had like in the legend back surgery so like <laughs> you could tell. it shows um we were sitting in jerry rice's section and emmett smith and it was such a cool night to to see all the legends of football and those are the for me that those players mean more you know than the current mm-hmm. guys which you know my partner is younger she's 25 so her and and the other girls oh, we were with God. yeah they wanted to see you know they want to hang out with like the the current players and stuff like that. But to me, it's those legends that, that make it really special. So that was my favorite event. Um, we got to a couple other parties and we actually took the Super Bowl day off and we were staying in Newport beach, um, Balboa Island at my family's place. And we, um, just stayed there and watched it on the Island, you know, went out in the boat and I, I needed like two weeks to recover after this week. It was so much. So, but it was really cool, you know, and the game obviously yeah. was the halftime show. Oh, that's one thing I got to say. We covered the halftime show press conference. I was so excited for this as a lifelong Eminem fan. Like yeah. I used to listen to Marshall Mathers LP to fall asleep in high school. Okay. That's like how old I am just to give you an idea. That to me was like comforting. Like his words were everything. My handle on Twitter and Instagram is MLM because they used to call me that in college when I would get drunk and rap, they'd be like, Oh, you're like Eminem, but you're Emily. So you're Eminem. That's, Amazing. That's fun. Yeah, right. <laughs> and people will follow it thinking it's Eminem. Like it's happened many times. And I have to be like, sorry, no. Uh, so I was excited to be in the same room as him. Right. Mm-hmm. So we get there really early. We get great seats. Kim is up front, ready to shoot. Three of them walk in and it is only Snoop Dogg, Mary J. Blige and Dr. Dre, which was still incredible. Okay. I love Dr. Dre. So that was cool. But Eminem and Kendrick Lamar did not come to the press conference. Rough. Biggest bummer of my entire life Rough. was not, not getting to Rough. see it. And then it wasn't even a press conference. It was like a moderated conversation. So we didn't get to ask any questions, but I will say this, Dr. Dre, and I don't know if I can say this on the podcast, like if we, if we have like, um, you know, if we're a PG rating or what? I don't think we're an explicit rating. And well, I, I think we're trying, to avoid, like a, we're trying like to avoid the, I have technical I am, like anatomy term for something. I mean, if you use the correct term for something, then I don't think there can be an issue. Well, this is a quote from Dr. Dre and he, so he, they're up there on the stage and they're talking about, are there going to be any surprises this year's halftime show? And Dr. Dre is like, yeah, there's going to be surprises, but everyone's going to keep their clothes on. And then Snoop Dogg chimes in. He's like, I don't know. I might take my shirt off, whatever. And then Dr. Dre is like, yeah, I'm going to have to keep Snoop and M from pulling out their penises. And he said the word on stage in front on a live broadcast in front of everybody. He said that word. And I think I, I'll never forget that moment as long as I live. <laughs> Like you could have said anything and that's what you said. So anyways, that, but that being said, the halftime show was incredible. 
incredible, incredible, incredible. If you are someone my generation, it it was just the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. And I could have done without 50 Cent. I could have done with the Nate Dog hologram or, you know, or something like that. 50 Cent was whatever. But seeing Dre play the piano, seeing him and Snoop, Oh my God. The only thing is Eminem did not really interact with any of these guys, which led me to believe that there may be a bigger issue and why he didn't come to the thing. If you watch it over and over again, like I have, you'll see that all the other people interact. Mary J. Blige Mm -hmm. and Descent are sitting on the couch together. You know, Dre and Snoop are like bumping and talking and walking together, but Kendrick Lamar stays in the back and Eminem doesn't actually talk or interact with any of the other artists, which I thought was weird. I actually haven't thought about that at all. <laughs> oh, I, that's all I've been thinking about over here. So. Anyways, I watched the Super Bowl at a Super Bowl party hosted by my mother, and she did not oh. understand the halftime show. Yeah. So it did was very for specifically for a very, you know, but you know what? I, I was happy. Millennials, we, I'm an I'm a older millennial, yeah. but we deserved that. We have to sit through all of this, I, you know, new stuff and, and everything. I was like, this is for us. And if, if you didn't like it, whatever, but you got to taste play was the, the new stuff. <laughs> I mean, I guess new ish, but like pop culture and like, yeah. that was the music we grew up to. And, you know, I went to my first college party listening to that 50 cent song. I grew up in high school listening to Dr. Dre and like, it was for us. I was so excited, you know, and mm-hmm. I don't care that people didn't get it. My dad didn't get it. You know, Kim didn't really understand it. I got, it meant a lot to me. So yeah, my mom kept talking about you two's halftime show. That's how that went for me. And I was like, I'm kind of trying to watch this right now. (laughs) That's why I will not go to Super Bowl parties to watch things like that, that I really want to see because there's too, it's too much. Like I'd rather just watch it by myself. You know, I would have rather been there, but tickets, you know, were insane. So yeah. Like more than thousands of dollars. Yeah. Like, one of our girlfriends that morning, she, the night before someone like offered to buy her a ticket, she ended up going. Someone mm-hmm. gifted her a ticket. I was like, that's insane. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that, it was pretty crazy. Uh, we do have AAC football to talk about. Sorry. I had to get that off. Like I had no to share worries. that with you guys. It was no worries. It's been a couple of weeks. We got to get everything out. Uh, yes. The AA- <laughs> Good. <laughs> Good. Uh, the AAC finally released its uh, schedule for the upcoming year. Mm-hmm. So we finally know how everyone's schedule is going to break down. We can finally start previewing next year in February. This <laughs> great. <laughs> I mean, if that's how you want to look at it. Yeah, it is great. Um, I mean, it is, but it's also like, I feel like we just stopped talking about this season. It, well, no, it's fun off season stuff to talk about before spring practices even start because right. once spring practices start, we're going to have you know, this school or that school's quarterback battle. Oh, right. this guy entered the transfer portal. What does it mean? Well, it probably means that things weren't going how they wanted them to. That's, it's not that complicated. Can I ask you one question before we jump into this? Since you brought up transfer portal, right before we get into this, we will get into this um, yeah, schedule listening. stuff just once. So I don't know if you saw this, but there was a player um, from Stanford who I tweeted something out about it, but he recently transferred through the portal and um his name's Andres Fox. Mm, he's a, an edge. It's not it's not something you would ever like know about except that it came across my mm-hmm. you know desk per, so to speak. Somebody mentioned it and said you should look into this because I've been saying this stuff about Stanford that there's a culture problem within the program for years. And problem. I 
Yeah. And it's with David Shaw and, and that mm-hmm. I've been saying it. I can't, I don't have any direct quotes to back it up because players do not want to go on the record, yeah. but this player, it was an edge. He transferred to Virginia and he did an article with, I think it was 24 seven sports. He did an interview. And in the interview, he said, and this is a current player. He said the bond, the relationship with the coaches at UVA is something I didn't have at Stanford. And that was the closest I've ever seen to a player coming out and saying there is a disconnect between the players and the coaches at Stanford. Yeah. Yeah. Because no player wants to insult a coach like that, especially if they're still on the team. That's why you can't ever get them to go on record. Like that's why, that's why when the Hawaii thing happened this past winter, it was such a big deal because so many players went on record and that just doesn't happen. You know, it really doesn't. And especially at a place like Stanford, which, you know, it's, it's an intellectual school. There's, there's a, 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 a sense of decorum, I guess, amongst the players. I mean, I can't even get Christian to cap for his family who can't stand Shaw to talk about it. Yeah, so. It's a very buttoned up school. Yes. So I thought that was incredible to see. And I'm hoping, you know, I know you guys are AAC people. We don't probably care too much about Pac-12, but this is something all the time. It's fine. We do. (laughs) We do. I think this is something to watch. Like Stanford, this is kind of the first pull of the thread to see a player say that. And I've been saying it, you know, you know, I've been saying it, but it's, I want to write this story. It's just hard. And now maybe we're going to start to see these questions asked of David Shaw, because how many four win seasons can Stanford have before we examine what's going on? And, so. you know, Stanford's a private school, so you don't see exactly how much Shaw's making the way you do it. Although it schools, did get leaked, but it's a it lot. did get leaked that he's making $9 million, yeah, which is insane, which is about $2 million per win. Which, you know, is right? a way to break that down. <laughs> and they tried to cut sports and they, they were paying this man $9 million. They They yeah. quickly funded them and they brought him back because they realized, like, they couldn't do that. But. The optics are terrible. The title line yeah. is terrible. The, everything's terrible about it. It's bad. So David Shaw, they need to get him out of there. Whether he leaves to the NFL, I don't care. And it's going to have to be the boosters because the AD mm-hmm. Bernard Muir is not going to do anything about it. He's just not, so... Yeah. Anyways, that was my question about the transfer. Let's see if you've seen that about the uh, transfer portal. I hadn't seen that, but it, yeah. Good I mean, for these players the, for speaking exactly. out finally, right? Like, yeah. I think so because you know the portal. Yeah. The part of the reason the transfer portal exists in the way it does now versus mm-hmm. three years ago versus ten years ago is because a lot of times players go to a situation where they were misled Promise. by coaches during yeah. recruitment, mm-hmm. or there's a million reasons why it could go wrong. And that's why I tried to never like get after a kid for their transfer, try to say why it happened unless the player themselves said it. But like, that's what it's for. Like if you go to a place and the coaches just like, aren't what you thought they'd be or the coaches misled you about how they would hold practice and stuff like that, you shouldn't be forced to be stuck there. You just shouldn't. Yeah. Well, you know who had a really interesting take on that is Tim Cramsey, the new, you know, OC at Memphis. And so I'm going to talk to him and get more out of him about it. But he he had some really interesting takes on the transfer portal, especially when he just dealt with it with Grant Wells. Mm-hmm. And you look at what happened there and this is his guy. And then all of a sudden oh, yeah. and I broke that news, by the way, and yeah. not from Cramsey, from other sources at Marshall. I just want mm-hmm. that on the record. But yeah. um, I asked him about it after I said, you know that sucks. Like, did you, did you know this was happening? And he's like, yeah, we knew he had been talking to VT for a while and this Mm -hmm. is just what it is. And 
Oh, it's yeah. almost like a factory type situation more so than a family anymore. That's like how it feels for these smaller schools when the guys get the opportunity at the power five level. And I would just say it does go both ways where G5 mm-hmm. schools can take power five players who need a home because they're not getting the playing time they thought they deserved or what have you. So it does go in both directions, but yeah, it sucks because Grant Wells was a really good quarterback for Marshall and he, yeah. He basically said, well, I'd like to play at the power five level, which of course he would, you know, because a lot of people do that, you know, again, you can't fault him for the G5 website where I love the AAC, but like, I can't really blame. I'm going to use the easy example for me. I can't blame Dylan Gabriel for transferring to Oklahoma when he had a new coaching staff come into play that he didn't sign on to play for. He didn't feel he fit the system. It's a little bit different than Grant Wells, situation, but like, of course he's going to go play for Oklahoma where he feels more comfortable with the system. Like that, I can't get mad at him for it. It's, I, I go back and forth. Uh, this is the last thing I'll say, and then we can talk about schedules. I just, as someone who played a D1 sport and signed a letter of intent, there was a a honor and commitment to doing so. And I understand like wanting to leave. Like my sister signed her commitment to USF out here in San Francisco, which is D1 soccer. And it turned out to be a terrible situation. The coach was... Yeah keeping money that they were supposed to get for their per diem meals. And mm-hmm. he was forcing them to do practices on their days off and telling them not to tell the administration. So in that situation, sure. I think you should be allowed to get out. And she did transfer, but for the most part, like when you look at Grant Wells, okay. Cramsey was always there for him, supporting him, you know, mm-hmm. give, like coaching him up. I don't, there wasn't a, I guess there was a change from doc, you know, to the new head coach to Charles Huff. But other than that, I don't, he this just yeah. seemed like a case of I want to play at a bigger school. And that yeah. to me is like I believe that is what Grant Wells is was was you know I don't like that too much. Not, I, I get that. Uh I get I, it, but I don't like it that much. I will it's say, okay. Just it's okay, quick, you can do it, but <laughs> just to super quickly clarify, because we have our own USF in the American University oh. of San Francisco. <laughs> I correct? did mean San Francisco, yes. Not not, not in Florida. Florida. I don't think my sister's ever set foot in Florida, to be honest with you. That's fine. I just, because, you know, there's going to be someone who's like, you were bad mouthing the USF women's soccer team. And oh no. University of San Francisco in California. Yeah. The just soccer coach. Mark, out there, different USF. Yeah. Not USF. Bulls. I, the I knew, Dons. I knew that you were referring to a different one, but I just want to make sure that that's clear. Yes. Thank you. Uh, okay. Good. Schedule. Last release. thing I need. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Schedule release. Uh, yeah, so we've got all of our schedules in front of us now. I think what the plan is for us is just to run through each team's schedule and give a couple of quick thoughts on the way it looks structure-wise. I think Can I just say there's so much UMass in the schedules? So I'm just... Twice, twice. twice. We well, got simple it's enough words. where I'm like, Dan's going to love this. Uh, yeah, a couple teams made a mistake is what happened there. Oh, and no. They get all the Don Brown. I can't wait till we do our picks. Problems with aggression. I can't wait till we do our picks, and you have to you have to choose UMass, right? Like, I mean, you're gonna have to. I can't wait. I gave them a lot of money. I don't think I owe them anything. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god! Can we go alphabetical? Is that going to be weird? That's what I'm going to do because that's how I wrote it down. I'm starting with Cincinnati. If that works for you. Why do I have UCF? Before Cincinnati. You probably wrote Central Florida instead of UCF. Well, I think that's how most people do it. Uh, no, it's UCF, not Central Florida. Okay. I mean, we can get into a huge fight about this if you want. I, but it's UC- don't call University it, of Central Florida. Don't call Louisiana uh, ULL. Don't call them Louisiana Lafayette. Call them Louisiana. Don't call it UCF Central Florida. <laughs> 
Can I just call them Central Florida and not UCF? No, you're saying don't do both. That's a region. Saying Central Florida is a region. University of Central Florida is not. Is that not their whole name? That's the full name, and you can okay. shorten that to UCF. That's the. Well, I could say University of Central Florida if I wanted to. UCF being another school I've given money to in my life, <laughs> I would just like to point out UCF or University of Central Florida, not Central Florida. Okay, and so it, either it, or, just not without the university. Got it. Okay. The, yeah, that's been about. That was a rebrand that happened a while back. I got it. I got before you. I, I was even you. a student there. It's. They're trying to be regional. They're trying to like be proud of their region. You're over here calling them out. Like, geez. Uh, no. All right. Go Whatever. ahead. Cincinnati. Go on with Cincy. You go first and then I'll do, I'll read the second one. So. Okay. Sounds good. Uh, yeah. So Cincinnati starts at Arkansas, then they go home for Kennesaw state, Miami, Ohio. That's actually at Paul Brown stadium in Cincinnati. That's where the Bengals play. Uh, then they host Indiana at Tulsa, USF. They get a bye week at that point before they travel to SMU, travel to UCF. Then they've got Navy and ECU at home, followed by a game at Temple. And then their final game of the year, they'll be hosting Tulane. Uh, first thoughts, Emily. I get first looks, huh? Uh, I am excited about this uh, all Cincinnati game. You know, the, the Ohio Yep. in Cincy at the bank. I think yeah, that's really cool when game. they do. Yeah, yeah. I think it's neat that and it's such pride. I mean, the one thing we've learned about this specific area in the country is how much pride they have for not only this college, but for the, you know, pro team there. And mm-hmm. it's kind of been fun to see this rise yeah. of Ohio yeah. pride. <laughs> well, well, football is huge in Ohio. I yeah. don't know if people outside of the Midwest always understand how big a deal it is there, but like they right. call Ohio the cradle of coaches. Cause there's so many great coaches that have come from there. Like Miami, Ohio, for instance, like you, like, who do you think is the best coach ever for my own Miami, Ohio? Most people probably can't name any. Yeah. They probably era Parsegian though, who is an alumni and started, that was his first head coaching job before Northwestern Notre Dame. Like okay. all those, my point is all those schools in Ohio have like great coaches in their history. Yeah. Well, I think that region of the world is thought of as a basketball region, you know, Indiana, Ohio, like a lot of what, yeah, I think national Midwest processes, but Ohio and Ohio, Western Pennsylvania, those are huge football areas. Yeah, no, I I think this is a, yeah, that's a great rivalry game. So that's why I always circle as a must watch. I think the Uh, Arkansas game is interesting. Um, I wish they didn't have that week one for them because there's so much turnover on Cincinnati's roster and there's not that much turnover on Arkansas's roster. So and Arkansas was way better. And it's going to be hot and humid and Arkansas likes to smash you in the face. And like that, just the strength. It's going to be rough. I I hate to be like, Oh, sec so much stronger, but sec teams have a lot of natural strength on the lines, which is a yeah. weakness of AAC teams when they play power five opponents is line play. It just is. I think that's a tough yeah. one week one. I'd rather you get Kennesaw state first and try to work out any kinks really quickly in week one, instead of going straight into a road game against a pretty good sec school. I love the uh, Kennesaw state matchup because that I saw them play this year. Um, not great. So, I mean, Maryland like beat them pretty handily. So um, yeah. that'll be, it's a, th- That'll be fun. Other than that, Indiana. It's a pretty light conference or pretty light schedule. You have to go to UCF and you have to go to SMU, but SMU is kind of a wait and see what they look like deal. Right. Uh, I think it's definitely going to be a building year. So I don't know that they'll even know. Yeah. No Houston on the schedule. Uh, Yeah. That's pretty, that's a pretty good break because I think Houston's going to be very good next year. Yeah, they are. (laughs) Uh, You know, 
a trip to Tulsa could be tough. So, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like I said, I mean, I'm going to say. At Once UCF, they get through homecoming, they got to get through homecoming. And then I think it should be okay. But how they navigate those first, you know, five, six games. Yeah. I mean, I think gonna... they go, I think three and one out of conference is pretty much to be expected at a minimum. I know Cincinnati fans will want to go four and zero after this past couple of years, but it might not be reasonable to beat Arkansas with how much turnover there is. And that's no, just, I don't think they beat. No, I don't, I don't think don't... you can put that expectation again. This is, there's so much time that can change things, but as of right now, you know what I mean? But yes, I think remember should... people, we are speaking in the current state where Before we know absolutely practice, no transfers. Yeah. Like we know nothing. <laughs> we know what you know. This is top of the head. Yeah. But yeah, uh, USF game. This is like gut feeling. Yeah. My gut feeling yeah. says they still have 10 wins on the schedule pretty easily though. I don't like, I think at SNU, yeah. at UCF is the hardest stretching conference. You know, ECU, we'll see what they look like this year, but they're hosting them, which is always helpful. Yeah. Uh, other than that, I'm not too concerned about the actual conference schedule. So yeah, I, yeah. I think 10 wins are there pretty easily still for Cincinnati, even if it's a down year for them. We'll see. Yeah. You got the next team? Yeah. So what is next to ECU? That would who I'd go with since we're not okay. in Central Florida. Well, yeah, I guess. See, I was I was thinking I had UCF. At, I don't know why the list I had that had them first. So I use FPS schedules. So yeah. take it up with. I go to the schools. FPS schedules messes me up sometimes. So I always go to the schools websites to check schedule stuff mm-hmm. because. I also like to see when they've scheduled like homecoming and different like schedules has homecoming. I don't always trust them. They like screwed okay, me up well. on one of them one time. And I was like, no, okay. you, you burned so they got, me. They got, they got you once. Yeah. They, I was like, not again. Um, okay. Only ECU. Once. We've got at home against NC state to kick off the season uh, at home against old dominion at home against Campbell fighting camels at home against Navy. So they start off four home games in a row, which is awesome. Then they head to South Florida to kick off October. Uh, They head to Tulane the following weekend. Then they are home against Memphis, home against UCF, which is huge. Mm -hmm. Um, Then they have to go to BYU. Oof. That's a tough middle of the season road trip. Yeah, not great. Not not a great one. Uh, And then they follow that up with at Cincinnati, which is Mm -hmm. that's going to be a really fun. And follow um, that by? Well, they have Houston at home and then at Temple to end the season. Yeah. So, yeah, that little October start of November it's, stretch there, not yeah. not great. From October 22nd to November 19th, they play UCF, BYU, a bye week, then Cincinnati, Houston. 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 That's yeah. the four teams moving to the Big 12. Yeah, uh, that's tough. It is. But at least you get you get them later where you can work out, you know, the Kings, hopefully. And, and they're a team that doesn't really get injured very much. Um, oh, now they're going to be completely snake, but good job, Emily. Shut All right, Pirates up. fans, you know who to blame. Oh my god, I'm just saying they have tough guys and they're scrappy. And I think I I don't, I don't think you have to worry as much about. Of course, you can't plan for you know. Yeah. Uh, Holton Ailers is back for a fifth year, so your fave. There, there is that you've got a ton of experience at quarterback. I really you've got really good weapons on offense. I love the Week One matchup hosting NC State. I think that's such yeah. a for the program. If you can, I know NC State's a pretty consistent eight win team, which isn't like, Oh my God, the upset, but the, just the fact they're an ACC team from your state, that's a huge yeah. win to get. If you can get it, I really like 
having them come to campus too. It's not just a road trip. Uh, ODU Campbell, those are games you should win now the conference, you know, yes. Then you get Navy and USF and Tulane who we, I based on last about season, Navy, when those, well, Navy's we don't pop, know pop, what pop. Navy, we don't yeah. know what Navy's going to look like. And I feel like that makes them such a wild card. It's Navy like, is the hardest team no to idea. predict. The hardest team yeah. in the conference to predict by far. If they have a quarterback. Even when you've seen them, you don't really know. When they have a quarterback like Malcolm Perry or Keenan Reynolds, they're mm-hmm. almost unstoppable. When they don't, they're almost laughably bad. It's incredible the swing <laughs> that it can be. And then you know it, it just is. You need someone who can run that offense. Uh, so, yeah, who knows what that Navy game is? Who knows about Navy? Uh, USF, we'll talk about them at the end because I believe they're the last team on my list at least, but mm. they've not been good uh, under Jeff Scott. Uh, at Tulane, yeah. Tulane needs to bounce back in a big way, but yeah. we'll talk they've about them later. They've certainly been too. re... Have you seen like all of the, the coaching changes? I mean, it's every week, every other day I get an email. Oh, this coach was added. This coach, it's been insane. I mean, this is the third or fourth. I was talking to one of their offensive linemen, right? Mm -hmm. He's, I think a sophomore junior, he's young ish. And he said, this is the fourth offensive line coach that he's had since he's been there. That's tough. That's tough to develop. That's and I don't know if that was accurate. I have to seasons. go check. Right. That's too much. Like, yeah, how do you get? About, we talked about Michael Pratt's development. How do you develop mm-hmm. him as a quarterback how do you develop if it's a new system every year? I know Chip yeah. Long left for Georgia Tech, which I thought was a silly thing to do, but it was like jumping off one place where you struggled for a sinking ship. You know what I mean? Yeah. Georgia Tech's a sinking ship. This is. But it makes you new- wonder what was going on that made him want to leave. I, I t- I've said it on the past on the show, and this is a rumor, and I need to emphasize it's a rumor every time. Mm-hmm. It was rumored he was very difficult to work with at Notre Dame, and that's why he was gone. Not because he he was very successful at Notre Dame, mind you, right. but he was did not get along with Ian Book, was what people said. Did not well, get along funny. with Brian Kelly, who's his own other ball of heart to work with. Uh, yeah, but, but I've like, heard the players really liked him, but I'm wondering now. The offensive now if line coach- really liked him at Notre Dame. Yeah, I I, the that. players that I spoke to really, really liked him, but I'm wondering if Coach Fritz found him difficult to work with. So that maybe Always. there's something and there. Again, he jumped over to Georgia tech, which like, that's yeah. not, I know it's a power five job, but that's not the one you go to because right. Jeff Collins is fired after the end of next season. This is a prediction. I'm just going to say right now, <laughs> oh, it's not been boy. working. It's not the former temple coach has failed at Georgia tech, which sucks because I like the guy, but he's failed. They're, yeah. they're not winning games. They just lost their best player to Alabama in the transfer portal. Right. Why? There's no reason to think they'll start winning games. They have to play Georgia next year. <laughs> you know, that's a whole other thing. <laughs> I play. love clean old fashioned hate. That's one of my favorite rivalries. Georgia games. Tech love. every year starts their season with Clemson basically and ends it with Georgia. And like every yeah. other year, they play Notre Dame somewhere in the middle. It's an incredibly hard way of life, you know, and they're just not good. And the wins are rather good. that people do that, even if they're bad, than play Alcorn State. Okay. Uh, no, At least more, they're scheduling good teams. It's more entertaining, but I'm saying like, if you're trying to turn a program around, you might want to get one confidence booster. Of course. No, you Northern just get Illinois good enough where in, you can play them. Yeah. Northern Illinois came in and kicked your butt last year too. So, you know, <laughs> not, not, not great. <laughs> uh, anyways, back to ECU. They need to get those wins though, that we were just talking about the Navy USF mm-hmm. Tulane games. Was that stretch in uh, mid to late October through November is really tough. You know, you get to go to Temple to end the year, which is, you know, they're going to be bad next year. hate to break it to Temple fans, but going to be bad next year. Uh, 
unless some miracle happens there's but there's no reason to expect that so like you yeah. need to get those wins if you want to be bowl eligible again at the early half of the season which i think they can do but that's i have faith tough. that they will I, I, I think, think bowl, I think they'll be bowl eligible again, but like you need to get the wins yeah. early to do it because that and stretch is tough. That's all. Uh, yeah. Anything else on ECU? It looks like Memphis no. is homecoming. I'm going to chat with uh, Coach Houston hopefully next week and talk to him about what he thinks about the schedule. So stay tuned for that. Yep. Uh, my turn to read Houston's schedule. I actually right. am very interested by Houston's out of conference schedule, by the way. Uh, <laughs> At glutton U- for punishment <laughs> at UTSA at Texas tech, Kansas <laughs> comes to Houston for their home opener. Ooh. Then it's rice uh, Tulane at Memphis a little bye week in there. Then they go to Navy, which good place for your bye week. Uh, yeah. And then they host USF travel to SMU host temple at ECU. And then they host Tulsa in the year. So you go a little back and forth on their home and away. Uh, like I said, I love that out of conference. You got UTSA and rice who are the two teams coming in to the American as replacement teams, basically. And then you got two big 12 schools, including Texas Tech, who they should have beaten last year. And yeah, uh, that's going to be a Kansas, grudge is, match game. Yeah. Oh, this one's at Texas Tech instead of a neutral site, too. Yeah. But yeah, no. But Houston's going to be out for blood because that's the one game that kept them from being unbeaten, you know, and going into the well, but really from being in the conversation. I think like everyone well, just kept going back to that Texas tech loss and being like, well, Houston can't Mm -hmm. be in this conversation because look at how badly they did in this game against a mediocre Texas tech team. So, yeah, it did hold them back. And had they won that game, they could have gone into the conference championship with a chance to probably be in the new year six game because they would have Mm -hmm. then been the unbeaten. Uh, That's not how it worked out. And they should have won that game too, because they had to leave at the half. Uh, And they blew that game pretty bad. Uh, UTSA, they were very good last year yeah. the Alamo Dome, which isn't the easiest place to play in the world, but I believe sincere McCormick's off to the NFL now and he was their top rusher. Mm-hmm. So again, I think Houston's going to be really, really good next year. So I'm, yeah. I'm really interested by that out of conference schedule. I think they're all games that I'm going to put as like, except maybe the Kansas game, but whatever as games I'm really interested to watch, uh, you know, then they get to host Tulane to start conference play. I, I, I really like the Houston Tulane game every year. It's entertaining for me. I don't know why. It's yeah. We've talked about the I've game. I've been at that now two years in a row. It's, we've talked about that weird, game in New Orleans yeah. a couple of years ago with the miracle yeah. finish that you were at. Like, it's a great game. Yeah. Game. Uh, then they go to Memphis, and that's another game that I always think is really good. So I'm going to watch the first six Houston games pretty religiously. Wow. Uh, okay. I know. Call me out on it now, and I'm going to. Yeah. Like, I'm going to be like, ah. so what happened in the third quarter at the seven minute mark? Well, you can't. That's mean. Well, that's multiple games on like that meme where everyone's like you know I, oh, you're like yeah. woman and you work in sports so like oh you do please name all of the 1943 yeah. chicago bear please be sean mcveigh about his play calling or whatever mm-hmm. uh, you know i'm not quite that good but you know i'm not bad no it should be a good houston <laughs> houston is set up like if they can get through the beginning of the season without any you know bumps I think they're set up to to be very successful and we'll definitely contend. They're going to, it's going to be Houston, you know, Cincinnati possibly again. Oh, actually, so. I think going back to the Cincinnati at UCF in week nine, I think one of that's mm-hmm. playing Houston, the conference championship game. Oh, okay. I, I forgot your UCF good thing, but yes. Uh, yeah, we'll talk about them more later. John Rice yep. Plumley, a quarterback. <laughs> I'm excited. <Yay. laughs> I know. All right, fight me on it. 
No, uh, I'm not. <laughs> no, it looks good for Houston. They have literally yeah. they have it laid out how they should do it. So it's a matter again, of just execution, you know. Again, they don't play Cincinnati, so right. they benefit from that. It's a yes. easier conference schedule. Uh, you know, again, we'll see what SMU is. We'll see what ECU is by the end of that stretch. But those games are both on the road. Maybe they get tripped up there. You never know. Right. Again, you never know about Navy, and that's at Navy, which is a tough place to win. But yeah, they, they should be right at the top of the conference. Uh, they should. Memphis is up next. You want to read her off? Yeah, let's go. Memphis kicking off the season at Mississippi State, which I'm Circle telling you it. right now, I'm, I'm going to be there, I think, at that one. I, uh, I had not only... No, go ahead. I was going to say the way that game happened last year with the Liberty Bowl banning cowbells yeah. and then the, yeah. the no call on the uh, down yep. ball. Oh. There's going to be bad freaking blood. It's going to be crazy. So I I reached out, you know, not only Cramsey, but um, some of his uh, grad assistants followed him to Memphis and I'm, I'm doing a story on them that'll be out, you know, towards the season, but um, they have a very unique ritual that they do before every game. I'm not going to disclose it now because I'm going to wait, but mm. he, you know, as soon as the schedule came out, one of the grad assistants texted me is like, all right, which one are you coming out for? And I was like, okay, I'm, gonna, I'm going to go to Memphis for a game this year. And I think it's going to be the Friday night um, game that they have against Houston. Mm. But I told him, I said, I got to come to this Mississippi state game. Cause this is going to be something crazy is going to happen. Somebody's going to punch somebody. Like it's going to be yeah. wild. It's going to be, so. it's a Mike Leach Mississippi state team oh. against a Memphis team that they've got like a grudge against. It's going to be fun. Yeah. So I know what happens to kick the so. season off. That's incredible. Then you've got at Navy. Yeah. Um, and then you head home for Memphis. They go Arkansas state at home, North Texas at home. Future AAC was, uh, for opponent. Yeah. Interesting. I, I, I used to love North Texas when, when Mason, Fine was uh, Mason Fine was there. Yeah. yeah Everybody says that I'm sure, but, well, Seth and then they have, I like Seth Luttrell, but I've I don't no really issue with know. him, but like the program fell off once Graham Harrell and Mason Fine left. Yeah, that's fair. That's you know, fair. He, it takes all. a village sometimes, Dan. Okay. Well, he's made bad hires. I don't know what that means then. Uh, then they uh, kick off October with Temple at home. They have that Friday night Houston game at home. That's going to be awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, then they head on the road to ECU, Tulane, come back home and get UCF, Tulsa, North Alabama. Yeah, it's North a late, Alabama. It's a very SEC way to schedule with the uh, FCS game North at the back Alabama end of the year. Late. Yeah. And then they had to SMU to finish off the season. So interesting scheduling, but I'm not mad at it at all. Cause if you're going to kick off with Mississippi state, then you could do whatever you want for the rest of the schedule. Oh, yeah. I don't I, I've got no issue Good with, for you. to be honest, I've got no issue with AAC teams playing an FCS game every year. It's just part of, you know, it comes with the business. You want to get a win and then they need their paycheck. So it's just part of the economy of college sports, but like, it's just yeah. weird to see it at the end of the year. Uh, yeah, Arkansas State, North Texas. Arkansas State's always a fun game. With it was a fun game recently, at least with Memphis. Yes, they uh, have a fun team. Yeah, very bad defensively last year. Fun on offense, though. Yeah, it's a really but, fun on Butch offense. Jones is there now, isn't he? Uh, Pretty I sure don't. Butch Jones is the coach there now. Uh, you know, that's Let's a team see. that. But that's a yeah, Butch Jones. Geographically, yeah. they're pretty close to each other. You know, they recruit against each other for a lot of prospects and a lot of recruits. So that's always a fun one. I wish they played UAB more often because that's a fun old rivalry from like Conference USA days from Memphis. Uh, yeah, you know, so I'd rather see that than North Texas on the schedule, but that's just 
Me? <laughs> That's uh, just me. I know. I'm I'm not a Memphis guy, so I guess I don't get to have a say about <laughs> schedule. No, that, you're but. fine. I like Memphis. I just, uh, yeah. I'm curious how they're going to look. You know, there's been I, some shifting and a pretty good we'll break, see. pretty good break for them to get Houston and UCF at home rather than on the road. You know, if you're going to, when you play those good teams, you want them at home. You don't, you want your road games to be against worse teams and your tougher games to be at home. <laughs> it just makes it a little bit easier for you to win those tough games and the, easier games you should win anyways you know at least that's my thought process on it you know but that's you know uh tulsa could be tricky at the end of the year if they figure themselves out i again though tulsa is a tough team to predict what's gonna what they're gonna look like year to year uh i think there's you know it comes down to this season if memphis can figure out their offense and make it explosive again the way it was under norvell because it hasn't been explosive the way it needs to be uh since norvell left and that's that's their calling card. If you can't figure that out, then yeah. you're not going to win games at Memphis right now. That's just initial thoughts though. That's fair. Mm-hmm. You got anything else? No, that's it. Right. <clears throat> Short Navy, and sweet. Yeah. Navy's up next. I'll read that one off for oh, us. Boy. I know. <laughs> I know. Uh, they start the year. I just don't know what to think about Navy. So I don't know. <laughs> well, again, that's tough. Well, that can be our analysis is we need more time to figure it out. Uh, they start the year by hosting Delaware. So we should win that game at least. Delaware. Then there's Delaware. Memphis after that. And then they get a little bit of a bye before they travel to ECU and they travel to Air Force. Then they're back home for mm-hmm. Tulsa on the road for SMU, hosting Houston, hosting Temple, and they travel to Cincinnati. They noted, play Notre Dame at, uh, I think they're playing them in Baltimore this year. So kind of a home game, but not because they never actually play games on campus in the Notre Dame Navy series. At least they don't oh, play I games. didn't realize that. Sorry, okay. Let me rephrase. They don't play games on Navy's campus. Notre Dame home games are played at Notre Dame Stadium. No, the road games are always neutral site. Uh, Why the, is that? The size of Navy Stadium isn't big enough to host oh. the demand for tickets. Okay. That's why there was. Okay, actually, Notre Dame, not, calm down. That's uh, both sides, but whatever. Because, you know. <laughs> Ticket allotment, Navy gets us to sell a lot of tickets at those games. All right, fine, fine. Uh, and also it helps both of them recruit nationally to play a game every other year. No, I think that's really cool. They do that. I was just curious about the uh, reason. Yeah, after that Notre Dame game, they travel to UCF. Then they'll have another bye week before they play the Army-Navy game. Which I Back think in Philly. Philly. I was going to say, yep. I think it's in Philly this year. Yep, I'm so, definitely going to that one again because I want to see the difference between having it in New York you know, when it was there in New Jersey and then seeing it in Philly. So, yeah, I mean, I'm excited. I, it's supposed to be good in Philly. I mean, I've yeah, heard, it's always good, but I it was mean, just I'm, extra special. I've, I've heard Philly year. does a good job is what yeah. I'm saying. Uh, yeah. I don't I, think, yeah, I think I Navy know. should leave the AAC. Is that bad for me to say? I don't think they're a cultural fit all that well. What do you think they should be independent? independent. I think they should yeah. be independent like Army. I could see but that. Like, I look at the schedule. And so, again, it's a tough schedule. I think it's Navy, really tough. Navy needs to be playing teams like UMass and UConn. They need to like give themselves a few easier games because this is – and look at the end of the schedule. You know, to, or Let's look at their conference schedule here. Memphis was a bowl team. EC was a bowl team. Tulsa went to a bowl. SMU went to a bowl. <laughs> Houston mm-hmm. went to a bowl. Temple was terrible, granted. Cincinnati went to the playoff. Uh, then UCF went to a bowl. Uh, they're out of conference games. Army, who they play every year, 
was very good and went to a bowl. Air, Air Force, same deal, nearly won the Mountain West, went to a bowl. Notre Dame. Delaware. Went to the Fiesta Bowl and then Delaware, which is an FCS <laughs> game. You know what I mean? Like, it's a really hard... They've got two teams on, yeah. this, on this 12-game schedule that weren't bowl teams last year. Yeah. incredibly difficult for a team that's trying to figure itself out and rebuild a little bit. Yeah. And, you know, again, there's just there's a huge talent gap between who they can recruit versus who the rest of the AAC can. Yeah. It's a tough, tough situation. Uh, you know, you get three future big 12 schools on the schedule plus Notre Dame. It's, it's a lot of talent there. It's just, yeah. it's tough for me to think that Navy's going to go to a bowl next year because of how difficult the schedule is. It just is. But if you want to be more positive, I'm open to it. No, I love Navy and I love, the, I will say this. I love the, the way that they overcame a lot of the off the field stuff and rallied around, mm-hmm. you know, their head coach and, and oh. the program. And I, I should say, I agree. I love Ken, uh, Matalolo. Yeah. The Navy well, program is one of my favorite to watch at. and pay attention to. Right. I love watching the triple option, frankly. Of course. You know, their stadium is gorgeous. If you ever get a chance God to go to the Navy option. Marine Corps, it's a beautiful stadium. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's just, it's not, I don't, it's just tough for me to think that there's going to be a lot of wins with that schedule and where they're coming from. I hope I'm wrong because I want them to be a successful program. I want them to go win the commander in chief's trophy. You know what I mean? But I don't know how it's going to happen necessarily. Yeah. That's all. We'll see. It's one of those things. I don't know. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's tough. All right. Who do you have next? I have SMU next because right, S so... comes before T unless I'm uh, a crazy person. Okay. They had USF and that's why. Okay, oh, South, SMU. Yeah, again, I think they're okay with being called South Florida in a way that UCF isn't with Central Florida. So it's common. Yeah, because the South part is makes it's a misnomer better than the Central part in any state, right? Well, South Florida is in the University of South Florida is in Tampa, which is 90 minutes west of UCF, which really makes it either. Yeah, I think somebody told Florida me that. It's like Central Florida. Well, there is a weird. University of yeah. West Florida, which is in Pensacola. But really? if you're going to, yeah. There is. There's a University of North Florida that's in Jacksonville. Mm. There, to my knowledge, is no University of East Florida. But like you'd think that if you're going to call your school South we Florida, you'd be in Fort Lauderdale or somewhere like that. I love Fort Lauderdale. Well, you'd think that that's where you would put the University of South Florida, not Tampa. But, but I don't you know, understand Florida at all as a state. Geography so degrees from USF pretend. aren't real degrees. That's all it is. <laughs> Oh boy. Um, all right. Let's hit SMU who obviously had a lot of turnover coaching wise. So it's going to be not a blank slate, but it's going to be a year for them to Tough figure to it out. Tell, um, but Rhett Lashley was there fairly recently at the very least. True, but it still takes time to get these things together. So I, I we'll sure, see how sure. quick I wouldn't put any, I would give this year a trial. Yeah, a lot. So uh, they kick off the year at North Texas. Super fun. North Texas twice on our schedules. Yeah, we do get to see a lot of North Texas. Super fun in-state game there. Um, Should be, I don't know anything about how North Texas is shaping up, but it shouldn't be too difficult. Then they host Lamar. Real, real heavy hitting going on in this. Flex yourself or flex. Yeah. And then they head to Maryland, which I can't even tell you how bad Maryland was when I saw them. Like it Maryland, was Maryland's the funniest team ever. Cause they always 
have just enough in September to pretend that they're good this year. Mm. And they trick mm. a few people every year. Oh no, actually this is the year Maryland might no. compete for the big, no, no, they're no. terrible every it's year. Not, it's not good. Right. And even to his little brother can't save them. Talia, uh, right? Yes. He, he's very impressive, but they relied so heavily on him and we saw them against an FCS opponent and I mean, Maryland's the, a school that completely wasted Stefan Diggs's career. So yeah. I will say this about Maryland, though. I love their um, stadium and the new um, things that they've added. They added this like chrome or not chrome. It's like bronze turtle shell over yeah. where the team comes out. It's awesome. Uh, this is a completely side note. If Maryland doesn't change their uniforms, I'm just never going to watch them. Again. God, I love I the, the safe light I uniforms. Love, oh, my God. I love it. Don't say that. I hate them. They're, my, is, oh. they're my least favorite uniform in football. It's my I was so excited to go there to see the end zone with the flag painted in it and to see well, the all the flag stuff fine, everywhere. The state of no. Maryland has a weird thing with its state flag. It's like the most. Because it's amazing. State. It's a busy it's a, flag. It's busy. It is the coolest state flag of any state flag. Uh, first off, Massachusetts has a really, I like it. It's subtle. I would have to it's, see it. It's a shield with a Native American on it, basically. Mm, it's not actually that's, that cool. <laughs> yeah, that sounds dicey throwing, to me. Throwing, but... Seeing what would stick. Uh, yeah. They might change that soon. We'll have to see. Uh, um, no, they won't. I'm scared. <laughs> Anything Native American is getting. Well, um, no, uh, Massachusetts is named after the Massasoit tribe. So, like, mm, it's. I like, mean, culturally. We'll uh, see. Just, yeah. uh, it's, all right. It's not after a negative Mar depiction. I, I mean, Stanford wasn't a negative depiction. They were called the Indians and they were forced to change. So, and they were built. There's Native American land all over California. So, I'm, I mean, well, I don't. I'm just. What? I never understand it, but I just I think people are erring on the side of caution these days. So who knows what's next? Um, all right. After Maryland, they get a home game against TCU, which should Circle be it, mark it super down. interesting. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, Sunny Dex returns. Yeah. Yeah. Got to, oh, my God. That's going to be epic. And both that programs are going to be putting in whole new systems and whole mm -hmm. new ways of being. So who knows what they're going to do. And they're doing a lot of renovation to SMU. It's going to be Oh, the end zone cool. thing. I wrote mm -hmm. about that like a month or so ago, yeah. like the $50 million donation from one guy they got to yeah. do a whole uh, end zone renovation there. I know. It's going to be great. Yeah. And they're upgrading, I heard, like a lot of the concessions, like the fan experience is going to be better. So I'm excited mm -hmm. to see that. Um, then SMU heads on the road at UCF. Uh, they get, they come, they just get that one road bump. They come back and play Navy at home. Uh, they get Cincinnati at home, which is good for oh, them. That's a tough break. And I mean, I'd rather no, have them home than tri well, triple option into Cincinnati's tough is all I'm saying. Yes. The adjustment there is going to be difficult. Then they head to Tulsa. They get Houston at home to kick off um, November. Then they head out on the road, South Florida, then they're at Tulane and then they end the season with Memphis at home. Interesting, like home away, home away. There's no stretches really for them, which I think is interesting. Yeah. The most, I think it's two in a row anywhere. Yeah. Which is, which it's, is, it's, it's, I mean, it's good. I mean, they get since both at know. home, which is, I think helpful. I don't think they're yeah. winning either of those games, but like, it's helpful. They get some nice warm up games before they face TCU, which is the best well, thing you could hope for there. They better beat Maryland, I think, if you want to they get will. into this. They will. Oh, yeah, but you can't, like, be one of those teams that Maryland pretends they're good by beating in September. No, I don't think it will be like that. I'm just saying SMU, SMU, is, SMU is more aggressive offensively traditionally, and I don't know if this is going to continue with last year, but you would think it would. And Maryland's defense was, I mean, the team that we saw them play, I think it was Kennesaw State. Oh, no, it was Kent State, the Golden Flash. Oh, yeah. And well, Kent, Kent State, State like – 
well, okay, but I know Maryland, there's Big Ten versus Mac. But. Yeah, I was like very surprised that Kent State was actually, you know, moving. They had, I think it was incredible. Like, so I don't think Maryland's defense is where it would need to be. We'll see going into next year, but I think well, SMU should win that game. So what I'm hearing is you're saying the only Texas team that Maryland can beat are the Horns. Hook them. <laughs> Hook them, Horns. Come on. Or, I I don't even know what's going on with. T- I mean, that good. Yes, I but like, think Steve Sarkeesian was not a very good hire, and I don't well, mean I for any of his off the field stuff. I mean it because he when he was at Washington and USC, his record wasn't all that good, and this is a harder job. No, this was a sell because of Nick Saban sold it, and and I get if you get the Nick Saban stamp of approval, then that's gold. But he's not ever been that successful as a head coach to where you would want him leading a program, especially one that's one of the most recognized brands in college football. Yeah, well, I think he should that, be the offensive coordinator and let somebody else you steer the ship. That's where he succeeds and excels. So. And that's fine. Like sometimes guys are just yeah, coordinators. That's fine. You know, you know Raiders whatever. are about like, to find out that Josh McDaniels is just a coordinator and not even a very good one. Oh, go Patriots. Okay. Open up, open up the right. playbook. Come on. SMU. We'll see. They have, it'll be interesting. I'm, ex- I'm actually very invested in their schedule to see how this up and down stuff goes. I'm very, yeah, I agree. I, I they like can mess up a lot of other team schedules. Yeah. I like Rhett Lashley. I think mm-hmm. I've told you before, I thought that UCF, when they hired Malzahn, should have been looking at Lashley. He is a right. Malzahn disciple, as it were. He has experience at SMU. I think that it, I think he'll work out. I do believe that he's going to succeed at SMU. They're investing a ton in this program because I think it's kind of hit them that, oh, the Big 12 came and they didn't take us. So now what do we do? Well, you can't sit back. You need to be ready for the next time. That's a possibility. Or at least, you know, if you're going to be stuck in the AAC, do your best to make the best of that situation. Uh, You know, and I hate to say stuck because I do love the AAC, but you know what I mean? When it comes to people's mentalities about moving up and down and access to the playoff and things like that. Uh, Yeah. There's some really interesting games on the schedule. Uh, TCU must watch TV for me. I'm interested by the UCF game because I think, well, I know they smacked UCF around. I don't think that that was actually like, I don't think the final score in that game was representative of how, Yeah. I think those teams were much closer to the same level than that game showed. Uh, Now they have to go to the bounce house. That's tough. Yeah. Uh, That Navy Cincy back to back will be interesting. If you know, either Navy trap, it's a trap game in the Navy game or the physicality of moving to, from the triple option to Cincinnati might be tough. Yeah, I think it's a very interesting schedule. It should be. Yeah. Temple's up next. You ready? All right. Your turn. Let's go. Stan Drayden, year one. Again, don't know what to expect except this roster. I I, super low expectations for Temple. And I mean, first year head coach who was not a coordinator last year, hired kind of late in the cycle. Tons, tons of roster turnover, incredibly young roster. A lot of transfers out. Anyways, Temple's uh, season starts with a game at Duke, who's also got a new coach coming in. And uh, got uh, Grant it's gonna Elko. be not fun. Like I'm not gonna watch that. I don't think. So. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, I, it's a that's a rematch of what was it like the minus bowl from a few years ago? They played yeah, in a bowl game not... when Daniel Jones was there. They played a mm. bowl game, so it's a rematch, a grunt, grudge match from players who were not on the roster. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not into it. I'm not into uh, it. Then so. they host a local FCS team, Lafayette. That's an Eastern. All right. Going to get a win on the board. Yeah. Small Eastern Pennsylvania FCS school, a little Let's Patriot. I, I actually really like the Patriot league. So represent Patriot league. Uh, 
then they host <laughs> Rutgers, and then they host UMass. You know, go UMass. Go uh, UMass. Go. Go you. Rutgers, I hope they, you know, I'm not a Rutgers fan at all. Rutgers is the only school that would not credential us. Super, super. So you're going to have to, yeah, getting Kim's face about it. No, Kim, they wouldn't credential Kim um, and I. So we're, okay, so we're anti-Rutgers. I was thinking because she's New Jersey, she was pro-Rutgers still. No, she, we, it's easy for her to cover because she's in New Jersey and they won't credential, credential us. So, you know, we're anti, we would not at the senior bowl take pictures or write about their player that was there. I was like, no. You got them. Very petty for Rutgers. <laughs> so. Uh, so after they lose to UMass, they're going to be traveling to Memphis. Uh, after that, they get a little bye week before they travel to UCF. Host Tulsa. That's tough. Memphis and UCF. Yeah, like, especially if Memphis bounces mm-hmm. back to where they've been. It could be really tough, especially at the Liberty Bowl. But at the same time, Temple's given Memphis weird fits the past couple of years. Yeah, that's Temple. Sometimes they do weird things like that. Yeah. That's uh, yeah. After UCF, they host Tulsa. Then they travel to Navy, host USF at Houston. And they end the year at home against Cincinnati and ECU. Uh, yeah, I mean, like I said, you have to have super low expectations. You play a pretty tough in-conference schedule, though I think a pretty light out of conference schedule. You know, Duke's mm-hmm. not good. Rutgers mm-hmm. is still rebuilding Lafayette's not a good FCS team. You're going to, you know, it's Don Brown's UMass. You're in trouble. And we all know you're in trouble. And Don Brown's UMass comes to town. Fun nineties basketball rivalry. If that's your thing, UMass simple. When, uh, do you remember those days? No. The uh, Temple coach changed. Like, who's going to remember that unless you're a UMass or a Temple fan? But like... you don't you don't know the story about how in a press conference after a game, Temple's coach, who was uh, Cheney at the time, busted in and started screaming at John Calipari, who was the UMass basketball coach at the time, screaming, I'm going to kill you, I'm going to kill you, and tried to strangle him in front of the press. This is a fun video. Look it up no. if you don't know. UMass basketball okay. in the 90s was a fun time. Cheating the whole way. Bring back cheating at UMass. That's what I say. Start paying players again. Get good at basketball. Uh, oh what? <laughs> that place has never stopped. So I don't... Uh, yeah, you must stop for some reason. Here we are. <laughs> Terrible. Oh, yeah. Well, Bottom yeah. of the A10. Stupid well, decision that was. <laughs> yeah, I know. Still good at hockey. Hockey school. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I mean, it's a tough schedule. All things considered in conference play. A lot of tough road trips. Try to find a winning conference play there. Beat Lafayette. See if, you know, try to beat UMass. If we're being realistic, UMass might be going through a little bit of a rebuild too. Oh my God. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yes, they will. So, but I don't know. Temple, it, that's another season. Different than Navy's, but nine, same though, end result. Eight. I can see three and nine, four and eight. We'll see. It, it, how they figure it I out and how they put it together. Good. I mean, they can only go up, I guess. Yeah. So that's a plus, but yeah. I don't know. I'm going to wait mean, and see. I'm I'll wait and see on football. it's tough i'm they it's, fired two of my favorite coaches in college football so I'm yeah that, but it wasn't like they fired them they fired the whole staff it was a cleaning of house I'm, more I'm, than it was I'm, a, I'm uh, still up, i'm still upset I'm you know upset. i i appreciate that i understand where you're coming from um they I were think, good coordinators that I got think, caught up in a bad head coach yeah rod carey was terrible he was a bad hire from the start he was yeah the way he was hired was out of kind of a panic desperation for a head, you know, because of the Manny Diaz The more Diaz you read situation. about it, the, the more you're like, what were they doing? They panicked because Manny Diaz yeah. took the job and left in like 17 days or however long Don't it was. He started on Manny Diaz and his shenanigans. No, he's fired too. So he <laughs> like, and Rod Carey would have been For what? <laughs> yeah. 
They should come together and be co-head coaches somewhere crazy and like just see what happens. Well, Ro- I forget. Do you Rod imagine Carey's a Rod Carey Manny Diaz co-head? Who else could we, we fit onto that? I yeah, guess, let's, I mean, I, this is a good. Todd, yeah. Todd Graham was just fired, so I mean, like, Todd Graham could available. be the defensive coordinator. Yeah. Q uh, Freeze. Oh, Art Bryles just got a job today, so Art Bryles yeah, is available. So not, he's apparently we're allowed to hire him nowadays. That's bad. What about um, emphasis on really, really bad to hire? Our let's bring Rich Rodriguez that. out of retirement. Throw him in. No, there. he's he's got a job. He's a head coach. He's an oh, FCS he is. Co- he's an FCS head coach. Oh, when what, did he get hired? I think last off season. I want to. Say, I'm going to oh, double check that really quickly that. so that I'm not like lying to everyone. But uh, Rich Damn, Rodriguez. That's crazy. I he's love Rich Jackson, Rodriguez. He's the Jacksonville State head coach, so they're going to be transitioning. Oh up. my God! I need to go to Jacksonville State now. Yep, that's great. Okay. Anyways. Yeah. You want to talk about Tulane? Yeah, let's go. Tulane. My I'm still still my baby school, still mm-hmm. still a fan, still gonna figure it out, but obviously going through so many coaching changes. So we'll see what happens. But I will say this Pratt had surgery. I don't know if people knew this. Um yeah, he, he was playing hurt. Yes, he had surgery after the season. I have seen him and talked to him in person since as of a month ago or recently. Mm -hmm. And, um, he's doing great. Looks great. Says all the recovery has been going well. Um, very excited for this season. So did you ask him about the new offense by chance or is that I did a little, you know, they don't, it's new. They don't know. They don't know what we don't know. So he's like, he'll keep me posted, but, um, they're very optimistic. Mm -hmm. They're excited. You know, Will Wallace is back. Mm -hmm. Tyreek James. I don't think, I think he's also back. So they're going to have, the tight end set um, offensive line is going to see a little shifting, but not too much. Mm-hmm. Anyways, I could go into Tulane all day, but let's look at the schedule. So they are home for their first two. They get UMass. Hail Massachusetts. Home. Hail Massachusetts. First game of the season against UMass. Do you think UMass can beat them in that game at Yulman? Well, UMass is going to be solving its problems with aggression. So that's all you need to know. Okay. And no, I so, don't. So they, they're going to come out swinging. I so might, Tulane, we're going to see what I'm going to say this know. now and completely forget I said it. Okay. I might buy a plane ticket and go to New Orleans for a weekend in September. If the Mississippi State Memphis game wasn't the, that same opening day, I would the go as well. only reason but you should. I wouldn't is because a couple weeks later I have to fly to like Maine for a wedding. I don't know how much flying I want to be paying for. If but you I, go, I I'll get, we'll get you credentialed to that game if you go. Okay. Think about uh, it. Oh uh, yeah. Think about it. Yeah, I got right. time. I then time. we got Alcorn State at home. So real, Winner. real yeah, heavy hitter, well, one-two punch there. With the- please respect HBCUs in this podcast. <laughs> right. That's fine. I'm not. I'm just saying. That's Steve should- McNair's alma mater right there. That's fair. That's very fair. Uh, all right. UMass Alcorn State at home to start off. Then they go on the road to Kansas State, the Little Apple. Very interesting. Yeah, interesting I- Big Twelve schedule there. I don't. I don't know how that happened or why, but that's okay. Then they come home and play Southern Miss, which we love um, because yeah, that's that gonna is be fun intrigue game. Coach Hall, yeah. It's also a rivalry. Back. I don't think people outside of yeah. Tulane fans realize how the much bell. Tulane and yeah, Tulane and Southern Miss do not like each other at all. No, they do not. Yeah, so I'm I'm excited for that game. That's one I like to watch too. Um, and then they head to Houston, which will be tough. Always Tulane, Houston. So we talked about that's a tough game. Um, but then they come, they come home and get ECU. Mm-hmm. Then they head on the road, go to USF, which is hard for any team to travel to Florida 
At least they get it in October, which oh, is I mean, better than in September. When you're Tulane, you're used to the humidity a lot That's more true. than say even ECU is. I mean, ECU's North Carolina gets hot right. humid too, but like you know, you know, Temple when they have to travel down to Florida, it's tough for them. Oh my God, when Stanford played there, they literally couldn't function. It was so gnarly. So. It, it's part of like when I say like like I mean, Mount Test is a really great that, home field yeah. advantage. Like it is, and like part of it is it get, does get loud. Therefore. Like it's a 45,000 person stadium, which right. it gets loud for that size stadium. Yeah. But it's also how hot it is there. Yeah. Like there's unique glares. It's in, it's like an oven. It there's is. bugs everywhere. It's gross. Um, no offense in that regard, I meant. Like, no, no, no. It's, it's tough to play. Yeah. Central Florida <laughs> is a swamp. A swamp. I, uh, okay. Then Tulane gets Memphis at home, which will be an interesting game, I think, midseason um, to see what these teams are. Then they head to Tulsa. And then they go home against UCF. They get UCF and SMU back to back at home, so that's mm-hmm. something. And then they end the game, at, they end the season at Cincinnati. So that's a tough. That's a tough. That November. last little stretch is rough. Yeah, that, that's a tough November. If you want to go bowling, like I said about ECU earlier, you're going to have to get those wins at the first half of the season. I think because I don't know that Tulane's finding a ton in November. Uh, yeah, you know. I think that ECU USF Memphis stretch is the part of the season where you go, did Tulane rebound successfully after a really below average season for them under Willie Fritz, at least, or did they not, you know, Mm -hmm. it's like UMass and Alcorn state. There's only so much you can learn. Kansas state's a big 12 school. So, you know, unless they get humiliated the way Ole Miss beat them last year, then you're probably not learning anything from that. Uh, Southern Miss was bad last year. Southern Miss didn't have a quarterback on their roster last year, basically. I don't think people realize this. They had a run, they basically ran Wildcat every single play last season. Yeah. It was that that's a program that's been in really bad turmoil for a couple of years now. Right. Uh, you know, so like Houston, like I said, they're very good. I'm not gonna hold like blame you for a loss at Houston, but ECU, USF, Memphis, that stretch in a row there. If you can take two out of three of those. I'll say you've turned around and like bounced back as much as possible. Right. That, that, that's what I'm saying. I think that's the key stretch to look at. Yeah. And again, we're almost uh, done here. I know we're powering through. We are on to Tulsa now, a team that I freely admit to struggling to understand what's going to happen next at. Yeah. Uh, they start the season at Wyoming. Then they host Northern Illinois and then they host Jacksonville state. Your chance to see Rich Rod. Yes. Uh, at, Ole Miss, at Ole Miss after that. Then they host, Rough. Uh, host Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. The other great thing about at Ole Miss is you get another Lane Kiffin week of discussion. Great. I know that's your favorite. Uh, at Navy before their bye week, and then they travel to Temple, host SMU, host Tulane, at Memphis, host USF, and they're at Houston. Now, the great thing <laughs> that's about, fun to end the season at Houston. <laughs> yeah. The great thing I like about the schedule is they don't play UCF. And as a UCF yeah. person, that's always a loss, no matter what the two teams are. So I love not playing Tulsa. If there's one thing that I could is. do every year, it would be not play Tulsa. Play Tulsa. So <laughs> that's a big win for some of us. Uh, nice. I think the out of conference should break to three and one. I think they should go three and one out of conference. At Wyoming, I'm a little bit like, 50, the Cowboys are good. They're not. I know. I know and it's good. hard to play there because of the they, um, altitude. I know. I know. But I just think that Tulsa should win. Is that bad of me to just kind of in my gut feel like they should win? I don't know. It's a gut feeling before spring or summer practice that they should. First win game, game. I feel like 
it's a toss up when it's the first game because you, you are, just... <laughs> you're all right about the altitude. Their conditioning better be right. Come week one. Otherwise they're going to be cast. Wyoming is crazy. I went to that stadium. I, I didn't it's go beautiful. to a game, but it's gorgeous. But I walked around and I was just like, am I in bad shape? No, it's just so like, yeah. high in the air that like, you're always out of breath there. Oh, it's uh, a pet, yeah. And, and where they're, this is where you're coming from, but yeah. Yeah. Anyway, Northern Illinois was pretty good this year, but they had played so many close games that like, I feel like they were getting lucky breaks at a certain point. Right. And you should beat Mac teams when you're in the AAC. It's not, that's not a matter of opinion. It's just a matter of fact, you should be beating those teams. Right. There's a talent gap there. Uh, Jacksonville state FCS at Ole Miss is going to be tough, but you never know. You never know. I mean, you kind of know, but you never know. It's a tough conference schedule uh, other than not playing UCF, you know, Cincinnati and Houston are tough ways to book in your conference schedule. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, at Navy, that makes the Navy game a little bit trickier. You know, it's not the easiest schedule in the world, but no. they've been to a bowl game a couple years in a row. I think they probably should go this year too. I'm just, you know, it's tough to figure it out. Sometimes at Tulsa, like I said, I'm always at a loss for them. Yeah, I never really know what to expect, so. Yeah, uh, did you have anything else on them? No, that's it. All right, Biz, you know who's next? UCF. UCF, you get to read it off, though. Oh, you can do it. I'll do USF to finish it out. Are you sure? Yes, oh. I'm sure. But USF fans would love it if I read their schedule. No, I don't think they would. <laughs> UCF starts off at home against South Carolina State, followed by a home game against Louisville and a trip down to FAU after that before coming back to host Georgia Tech and SMU by a week before they host Temple. Then they travel to, or sorry, they travel to ECU before hosting Cincinnati. Then they travel to Memphis, travel to Tulane, host Navy, and then they go to USF for the war on I-4. Yeah. Run through it real quick. Uh, three out-of-conference games at home, the one on the roads against FAU, future AAC member, so get used to seeing them around. Yeah. That'll be interesting. The Louisville game though. Oh man. Revenge game. Yeah. Like grudge match. Fans are going to be ruthless in that game. I feel like. Yeah. I mean, both the Louisville and Georgia tech games are the second half of ACC home and homes that they had scheduled. Mm -hmm. Uh, South Carolina state's just a regular kind of FCS game. Right. Uh, You know, I mean, I, like I said, I love not playing Tulsa. Love it. Mm. love not playing Tulsa don't play Houston either and you get Cincinnati Cincinnati at home and you get Cincinnati at home Mm -hmm. Halloween weekend Halloween weekend Cincinnati at home and Cincinnati going through a ton of roster turnover fingers crossed because I do think that that Cincinnati UCF game is going to determine the second team I bet you that's going to be a full moon too just because just for the nonsense nonsense. (laughs) one thing like I said I think that that could very well be a determiner for the conference championship game yeah it's never easy to play at Memphis. The Liberty Bowl game is going to be tough because it just is there. It's a weird environment. Uh, yeah. This could be the last war on I-4 before a hiatus, which I'm upset about personally. Yeah, that's tough. With the move to the Big 12 coming for UCF, neither them nor USF have the, the great open dates for a couple of years to play the game as an out-of-conference game. I think they both sides want to play it every year. But to play it as an out-of-conference annual game, they're going to need a couple years to just have room on the books. And that sucks. Uh, yeah. So that's going to put a lot of value on this game. UCF's won in for the past 
every year since 2017 now. Uh, it's going to be a fun one, I think. You know, should be. You know, UCF usually st- at this point in time storms into Raymond James Stadium and is the over- overwhelming crowd there. I hate to say it, USF fans, but you don't fill your stadium. Uh, <laughs> you don't. I know you've said it many times. Uh, we know how you feel about it. Yeah, I mean, I think UCF wins at least ten games on the schedule. To be honest. Yeah, it looks good for them for sure. I I'm, love some of the transfers coming in too. Mm-hmm. UCF has a lot of really great transfers coming in. Yeah, so that's and they get there by at a really good time because you you look at yeah. the it's towards get, the middle of the year. Yeah, and you get it like after SMU, which is you know we don't know what that'll be, yet, but it's at home, and you get it heading into Temple, which we know is not going to. I mean. It gives you, yeah, yeah, it's a little bit of a rest in the middle of the year. Right, right. Uh, but yeah. It's kind of nice. Excited for that. USF's up next, though. Yeah, last one. Here we go. It's funny because I had them. Like the middle of the pack. <laughs> yeah, here we go. All right, USF, final schedule to talk about here. They kick off the season with BYU at home. Tough. Well, tough way yeah. to do that when Real you're tough. trying to bounce back after winning three games in two years, Jeff Scott. Very tough. Very tough. But I will say this. It's again, it's South Florida. Okay. Central Florida, whatever in September. So it's going to be not fun. You can for just BYU. say Florida. It's Florida <laughs> in September and BYU is not going to be used to that humidity, all the stuff that, that goes along with it to travel that way to start the season. So no, you never right. know. They could, they could potentially surprise them. Right. Uh, BYU is losing some of its talent from the past yes. couple of seasons. So you never know. You never know. So I'm actually going to be but interested I, in that. But you game. suspect. But you can suspect. We'll see. Then they, they host Howard, which is an awesome non-conference there. Uh, then they head to Florida. Literally September 17th at Florida. Go Gators. Super fun. The Gators are in disarray. So who uh, really knows? I, I believe Billy Napier's. Like, I don't... I don't hate Florida the way some UCF people hate Florida, but okay. I like it when Florida is worse than UCF. I think Billy Napier is very capable of making that, making Florida one of the better SEC programs consistently. We'll see. Again. He did a great job at Louisiana, but this is a whole different. He was a very good recruiter when he was at Alabama. I'll okay. say that. He was a wide receivers coach there. We'll see very good what recruiter. happens there, but that's early to get Florida. So maybe you still catch them when they're not fully figured out, fully formed yeah, so that but it's hard to play USF at Florida. Still, but USF still trying to figure itself out too. Yeah. I know there's more into year three under Jeff Scott, but they're still trying to figure themselves yeah. out, which is the issue. It, not to get off track. I'll tell you what though, a, a win at, against BYU would do a lot going into a Florida game. You it know would. what I mean? That so give you we'll see. Being 2-0 would give you moments. Right. Um, all right, then they go home or they stay home and they have Louisville, which is interesting because y'all both play Louisville. So that'll be an interesting match and measure. Mutual uh, opponent. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. And they're really close to each other, are they not? So you get the uh, week, week two versus week, week It's two. week two versus week four. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting to me, huh? Okay. And then they head out on the road uh, to ECU. And then they come home to get Cincinnati on October 8th. And then um, they, or no, they go to Cincinnati. Oh, wow. So they get ECU at home and then they go to Cincinnati. Wow. That's tough. Yeah. They've got a lot of tough uh, road games on the schedule. Yeah, that's really rough. Uh, Then they come home for homecoming against Tulane. Then they head out on the road against Houston for that Halloween weekend, which will be interesting. And then they head to Temple. Uh, they get SMU at home. They get 
they go to Tulsa and then they, then the war and I four, which mm-hmm. I read was going to be either the 25th or the 26th. It's depending yeah, on I scheduling, heard that, right? I heard that they were going to like option other games, but it's always, always black Friday. Okay. So. It, like it, it would be a big deal for a lot of fans on both sides if they moved it off of black Friday, but we'll see what happens. Second half of the season for USF is very interesting. You start with the Tulane homecoming game Mm -hmm. and you go to Houston, which is tough, but then you go to Temple, which should be a little easier. You get SMU at home, which we don't know what's going to happen there yet. Then you go to Tulsa and then you get UCF at home. It's tough. It's rough. So the offense should be good this year. I I shouldn't say good, but I think the offense should be exciting this year. I don't know Mm -hmm. if it'll be wholly consistent, but I think there's going to be a lot of explosiveness in that offense. Right. Uh, New defensive system from what they were running the past couple of years. Uh, so that might help some of those issues out. Yeah. Jeff Scott's also dove headfirst into the transfer portal. USF's taken like a ton of transfers with this past class. It was like 15 transfers or something like that. Mm-hmm. So like they're all in on trying to fix it quick. And I think the part of the reason he t- took 15 transfers is he knows he has to start winning. He's got three wins in two years and only one against an FBS team. That's not, and a lot of times they're getting blown out of games. Yeah. Like, I thought I saw improvement from the start of year one to the end, but then it looked like at the start of year two, they had completely reset, and then they showed some improvement, but the wins still weren't coming by the end of the year. You can't hit the reset button again and be like, oh, we're terrible again at the start of the year and trying to figure it out as time goes on. It just doesn't work like that. You know? Yeah. Like I know that Jeff Scott's doing a lot of really good things for USF off the field in terms of fundraising and like program building stuff that USF has ignored for years and is, you know, why they're not going to the big 12, even though they were once in the big East, like it's because they chose not to build their program. They didn't build facilities quick enough. They chose not to fundraise. They chose not to build an on-campus team and he's doing the things that are needed to raise the money, mm-hmm. which is a huge part of coaches jobs. I don't think people realize how much of the coach's job is to like talk to donors and Right. And schmooze. And yeah, exactly. Like he's doing that part of the job very well. I think he's marketing the program pretty well, but you're still not getting fans to go to games because you're still not winning. And at some point the wins and losses are the most important thing. So I think it's a win. I think it's a win now for Jeff Scott at USF. And I don't, it's a really tough out of conference schedule to like lead into what's in conference schedule. You get Cincy Houston and UCF plus SMU, whatever they end up being. Right. You know, I I don't see more than two or three wins. I just don't. And like, that's a problem for Jeff Scott. You always underestimate no. the Bulls. I think uh, that's... What, how could I have underestimated them the past couple of years? How could I have? I think last season they did better than you thought they would. I watched USF nearly lose to UMass once in person. So, you know, <laughs> pretty bad. <laughs> That was oh a, that was the year they collapsed into Charlie Strong, where they like started out six and zero and they did six and seven. God, Charlie Strong! Oh my god, Miami staff. He's the linebackers coach down there now. That's wild. Yep. Someone needs to do a story on the rise and fall of Charlie Strong. He's it's a crazy. very likable guy, and I've heard yeah. he's a great human being. So what's the problem? I think the problem is Texas hired him because he had Teddy Bridgewater as his quarterback at Louisville. <laughs> like legitimately, without even like making a joke about it. Like I think he had recruited Teddy Bridgewater to Louisville and that worked out very well. And they were very good for a few years there because they had an NFL quarterback. Right. That got on the Texas job where Texas is a dysfunctional program. And if you don't succeed like right away, they turn on you and yeah, it's crazy. Texas cannibalizes itself. It's an, that's why like 
it's a bad job, Texas. Like I know there's they some should money join the in, like, tons of money, tons of history, whatever. They almost did a few years ago. <laughs> but you know, they but they cannibalize themselves. It's not a good yeah. job in terms of just like workplace environment. And then he caught USF on the way back down. And again, he inherited Quentin Flowers. And once Flowers left, he fell apart a little bit. So I don't I don't I think he's had a couple of good quarterbacks that have made him look better than he was as a head coach. But I think he's a really good defensive coach. Mm. And good, like again, he's a good Charlie player. Strong. I don't know. Well, we did it. We made it through the schedules, you guys. Sorry for the two-hour-long podcast. Are we at two hours yet? I don't know, <laughs> but it feels like we've been talking about it forever. Uh, yeah. Do you have any other news you want to talk? About? No, but I do want to encourage you guys to reach out to Dan and I on Twitter or um, to Underdog Dynasty on Twitter with burning AAC questions. We are going to start an off-season maybe every two weeks article where we answer your biggest questions by talking to the people that know the answer is the best, i.e. coaches, players, administrators, whatever. So please bring us the things that you want to know about your AAC team or the conference as a whole, and we will do the hard work and talk to the coaches and players and administrators for you and get those questions answered. So either put them in the comments of the podcast uh, of the article on Underdog Dynasty, or just tweet them at us, and we will get to answering those burning off-season questions. And Emily, if they wanted to be that you, where can they find you? They can find me at MLM, E-M-I-L-N-E-M. And you can find me at Dan underscore Morrison 96 on Twitter. Uh, I think we're off after, yeah, yeah a couple that's hours. Enough. We'll see you next time. <laughs>